0: welcome everybody to the pac-man podcast patriotic american citizen i'm ted flint on the bmg network good to have you along with us there's a lot to talk about i want to begin talking about this invasion of the ukraine by russia and uh there's a local talk show i don't listen to it it's at the uh, npr affiliate my wife listens faithfully every morning to see how the other half lives basically and she fills me in on what they're talking about they never mention anything that's going to be detrimental or to that, anything that paints Democrats or liberals in a negative light, because they're all loonies. They're all loony liberals. And one of these guys, who is a former naval intelligence officer, his name is Malcolm Nance. I didn't see the interview, but he was on with Joy Reid, another wacko, on MSNBC Monday evening. And uh, this guy was in the service, this Malcolm Nance, and he has been an MSNBC analyst since 07, according to this report here, I think. I got this from The Daily Caller. It's by Alex Weprin. And uh, he shows up Monday on this show on MSNBC in full camo, had body armor, the whole nine yards, bearing a Ukrainian and American flag as well. It's It's a wonder he had an American flag. And he was holding an assault rifle. Now, if I showed up on a TV show holding an assault rifle, he'd want me arrested. But because he's Malcolm Nance, former naval intelligence official, he shows up, this guy's, he's left the building. He's hes absolutely insane, full camo. And, he, and I'll give you the quote, and this just proves it. He said, the more I saw of the war going on, the more I thought, I'm done talking. All right, it's time to take action here, is what he said to read. I'm here to help this country fight what essentially is a war of extermination. This is an ex- existential war, and Russia has brought it to these people And they are mass-murdering civilians. And there are people here, like me, who are here to do something about it. Now, that's wonderful if he feels uh, led to do that. I'm wondering if he would do the same if this country, if America were invaded. But he's hell-bent. He's in Ukraine. All right, fine. If he wants to be there, who's to say that he shouldn't be there? I don't know what it is about Ukraine. I've talked about this. It's got these liberals exercised. We got to do something militarily. They want America to militarily be involved in this war. What do Ukraine's borders have to do with our security? Why should we be in Ukraine? I can see sending them arms, shipments of arms and money. Okay, that's fine in in their war effort against Russia. But why should the American military be involved with what's going on in the Ukraine? It makes no sense to me. But the liberals want us, they want to send troops they want regime change in Russia, which is never going to happen. They want Putin out for some reason. There's something, there's some odd, uh, something weird going on in the Ukraine. I can't explain it. I don't know what it is. But when all these liberal Democrats who are, they're, they're so they're dovish when it comes to war, but they want to go to war in Ukraine. They want to kick Russia. They want to kick Putin out of Ukraine. And some are calling for regime change. Hey, Biden. The so-called president said, "We need to, we, this man cannot stay in power for very much longer. He's speaking of, of Putin. Here's a guy who's got his finger on the nuclear button. Russia has 6,000 nuclear weapons. Nobody ever talks about that. When these liberals talk about regime change and l- looking to help, help Ukraine and help uh, Zelensky, they don't ever mention that Russia is a superpower. They have 6,000 or so nuclear weapons. And they've threatened to use them. Now, are they idle threats? I don't want to test Putin. We don't have any business in the Ukraine. If Russia was trying to, you know, invade a country on our border, I'd say, well, if I mean we're surrounded by oceans, but I mean in, in Central America, I'd say, well, then we have to do something about it militarily. But that's not happening here. And you have this nutcase, this Malcolm Nance, dressed in fatigues with a with an assault rifle on a talk show that nobody watches anyway, MSNBC. I wouldn't know about it if I didn't read it here in this piece by Alex Weprin. But these libs are all gung-ho on on Ukraine. As I mentioned, the very first week Putin invaded, SNL did a, a piece. They had some Ukrainian choir singing and all everybody was standing up crying. And I mean, smaller countries get invaded all the time by larger countries. It happens continually. Why pick out the Ukraine? There are countries in Africa being invaded by larger countries. Nobody seems to be caring much about what goes on there or in the Middle East. But the Ukraine, we've got to do something about the Ukraine. I don't get it. Anyway, I wish I had more time. We'll, we'll come back to this. Longtime Democratic consultant and feminist author Naomi Wolf, and I've, I've read some of her stuff. She is, to me, what I call an honest liberal. And she's come out and she's siding with a lot of health experts and attorneys. And she's uh, mobilizing people to pour through the thousands of documents on the Pfizer vaccine trials that the FDA was forced to release through a lawsuit, through a FOIA lawsuit. Monday of this week, she summarized for Steve Bannon on The War Room, the biggest news yet from the findings, which are compiled on the website of her company, Daily Clout. Naomi Wolf, the feminine mystique she wrote many years ago. Uh, she said, "It looks to me, and this is not an overstatement, from what I've seen, that this was a clinical trial that, by August two thousand and twenty-one, Pfizer and the FDA knew was failed. The vaccines were not safe and effective, as they, as these uh, groups claim they were. The FDA and the CDC and all the and Fauci and all the rest of them, they weren't working. That the efficacy was waning, and that they were seriously dangerous." But they rolled it out anyway didn't they and i talked about this it's in robert f kennedy jr's uh new book the real dr fauci you've got to read this folks the fda the documents show knew that the 100 microgram doses being administered during the trials suppressed the immune system the white blood cells is what wolf said now i'm not a doctor i'm not going to get in too deeply into the weeds on this but the pfizer trials according to wolf which are ongoing have found that the mRNA-produced spike protein and the lipid nanoparticles used to deliver it were making people sick. My daughter had a negative reaction from the Pfizer. She was forced to take it if she wanted to attend classes at SUNY Albany, as I've talked about. And Wolf claims the data tables show that Pfizer and the FDA knew they could anticipate vaccinated people suffering joint pain, muscle pain, which she she also says loved ones of hers have now and they they had extensive fevers and cardiac problems so if you have negative reactions or if you die heaven forbid oh well you know we're we're basically the guinea pigs for the government I think the damage could be long-lasting and I think the government knew about it I think Fauci knew about it and uh anyway so again this is from Naomi Wolf she's not a a fire-breathing conservative an anti-government type she is a liberal in every sense of the word She's saying, "Hey, we need to take a take a step back here," and I agree with her. All right, I read the piece here. Uh, I think it was in uh, World Net Daily, and it talked. To, and I don't want to make fun of anybody's age, you know. I mean, we're all going to get there, hopefully. But uh, Diane Feinstein, who is eighty eight years old, is failing. She's having some issues cognitively, and you know, most people do by that age. And even Democrats are saying, look, you know, maybe it's time you step aside. What is it about? It must be the power. They must be in love with the power. They cannot step aside. She's 88. Steny Hoyer has got to be 79 or 80. Pelosi is 82. Pat Leahy in Vermont, he's in his 80s. Who else? Who am I forgetting? When I get get done recording, I'll, I'll remember several. There are several of these people in the Senate and in the House, but especially the Senate that are well into their 80s, and they won't step aside for whatever reason. Now, wouldn't you think if you were 88, if you were 78 or 68, I'm not gonna be working when I'm 88. I'll, hopefully I'll be taking in oxygen. You think you wanna be with your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, maybe in her case, but they keep on, they keep on going. There's, there's gotta be something, it's a good gig. They make a lot of money. Most of these people in Congress are millionaires. They weren't millionaires when they started. Joe Biden's a multi-millionaire, but you know even Democrats are saying to uh, to Feinstein, you got you know you you better step aside. This is it's not looking good. When you see Biden, he gave a speech today, as I was watching him, or yesterday, whenever it was. Uh, as I record this, it's a uh, it's a Tuesday evening, but it, it's it's really scary to watch the leader of the free world. This guy presumably has his he, he has the codes to the nuclear football. Uh, you know, I've gone to sleep with, <laughs> with uh, more comforting thoughts than knowing Joe Biden is in charge of our nuclear arsenal. You know the, uh, and I haven't talked about this yet, but when Obama came to the White House a couple of weeks back, I guess he was celebrating the uh, what is it, the 12 year anniversary of the passage of Obamacare. Really, what was what was going on there? And uh, I think it was uh, Megyn Kelly pointed this out. Obama was to be like Joe Biden's B12 shot. He was going to boost him up by appearing with the president and it had just the opposite effect, which I think Obama knew was going to happen. He grabbed all the limelight. He introduced President Biden as Vice President Biden, you know, big, big joke. Okay. You know, I think Biden said it first. Here's uh, here's President Obama. I'm Vice President Biden. Then Obama takes the, the mic and introduces Biden as the vice president, which I thought was classless, but that's Obama. He's got no class. No, he's just somebody who is so arrogant and so conceited and so full of hubris. And he made Biden look silly. I mean, Biden at one point tried to, as I'm sure most of you have seen this, reach out and and grab Obama on the shoulder just to to get his attention. and, And Obama wouldn't even turn to look at him. And then at one point, Biden was walking around aimlessly, just looking for somebody, looking for some hand to shake. It was a pathetic display, really it reminds me of the time when obama was first elected and he came to troy new york he came to hudson valley community college in troy and david patterson was the was the governor of new york at that time and patterson is blind and when he and he was not a popular governor he was having some difficulty he his governorship was failed patterson's but here he is hosting obama the new president first black president and every, all eyes were on Obama, all the attention, the media attention, everybody in the room. He sucked up all the oxygen, Obama. And nobody was, and, and, and David Patterson is walking around. He, he doesn't, he needs uh, somebody to help him walk around anyway. He is legally blind. It was a sad spectacle. I mean, he's short too, to make matters worse. And the same thing happened with Biden. It was kind of a sad spectacle. You know, and I know the... Uh, the president's people thought, look, if we get Obama here, maybe it'll lift your poll numbers. It'll it'll boost you. As Megyn Kelly said, it was a, supposed to be Biden's shot of B12. There's nothing you're going to do to boost up Biden. I mean, he's not boostable. He's done. I can't see him finishing out his term. I can't see him, see him finishing out the year. I mean, he's deteriorating literally by the day. But what can we do about it? You know, next in line is Kamala Harris. After her, it's it's Pelosi. And the mask mandate, I don't know really where, there's a lot of confusion with masks. A United States District Court judge, federal judge in Florida, a Trump appointee, vacated the nationwide travel mask mandate Monday of this week in a ruling that found the mask requirement for travel via mass transit, planes, and trains violates the Administrative Procedure Act. The lengthy rule explains how the Biden administration, quote, improperly invoked the order and interpretive rule exceptions to notice and comment, improperly invoked the good cause exception to such rulemaking in a manner that was, quote, not harmless error, and how the mandate is arbitrary and capricious because the CDC failed to adequately explain its reasoning. So the district judge, Catherine Mizell, lays out a lengthy indictment of the Biden administration's rulemaking procedure and its conclusion, the mask mandate exceeds the CDC's statutory authority and violates the APA. That's it. So the mask mandate, I guess, has been lifted. From what, I, And I'm, I can't find anything that says it, it's not been lifted. I guess it was a pilot who announced to his passengers that the, uh, the mandate was lifted. They could take off their masks. And I guess everybody in the plane just erupted in applause. And the, the whole thing with masks has been, it's been a nightmare. And on CDTA buses, they still urge you to wear masks. My daughter takes a bus from SUNY to my job at the assembly, and uh, she says they're, they're still telling people, put on your masks. She doesn't. And uh, so I don't think they can enforce it. But I mean, if you know, it should have been left to, to the individual. If you feel as though you need to wear a mask, then by all means, wear one. But we can't have the government mandating that all of us wear masks all the time. It was was an overreach by the government from day one. And we didn't know a lot of things two, two and a half years ago when this started. Now we know more about the virus, about the pandemic than we knew then. And I think the masks, I think it's not going to happen again. We've been down that road. If the government tries again, if they try any more lockdowns or mask mandates, there's going to be rebellion. We've gone down that road. We know how it ends. And uh, it doesn't end well. And it won't end well for the economy, again, if there's if there are any more lockdowns. That's about going to do it to it, folks. That's all we have time for. Thank you very much. It was a quick 15 minutes. Again, if you like this program, please, by all means, hit like, hit subscribe, and leave a comment for us on the comment section. Leave us a review. Hopefully, you like what you heard. And even if you didn't, we'd like to hear from you. We want to improve the product. This is the BMG Network, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I mean, there are a number of platforms. Wherever you listen, hit like, hit subscribe, and tell a friend. Share the, the program on Facebook or whatever social media you're, you're on. And, uh, and I appreciate it. And all the folks at the BMG Network appreciate it as well. Ken Burns with his show on Monday. Uh, Adrienne Ross is on a little hiatus, but she'll be returning shortly with her fine show. My daughter, Madeline, with The Essentials, with Maddie Flint. Listen to that. She's on, I think, Fridays. Uh, for 18 years of age, of course, I'm impartial. Uh, I'm partial, I should say. Uh, she does a great job. She has so much poise and, and uh, class behind a microphone at, at the tender age of 18. And if I were like her when I was 18, I'd be well, Lord knows where. But listen to her, Maddie Flint, uh, The Essentials with Maddie. And that's on, again, I think on Friday. Thank you very much, folks, for tuning us in. And if the Lord wills it, we'll talk to you real soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG Studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.